name is Cameron Milne and you are listening to Silent Studios, the podcast that gives an insight into the creative methods behind musicians, producers and audio engineers alike and how these original techniques are applied to a project of their own. PJ Harding is one of Australia's monster songwriters and has worked with some of the biggest names in the music industry. He's kicking goals with his latest project, Thief, whilst writing, producing and composing for other well-known artists and acts. My name is PJ Harding. Certain people call me Thief because that was my artist project for some time and still is. Um, But also I'm mostly these days a songwriter and producer for other artists. I would say the bulk of what I do is songwriting. It's like straight songwriting, but the lines get pretty blurred these days and uh, you often find yourself having to fill in a bunch of roles. My production has generally sort of always just been for my stuff. I don't have a naturally pop mentality when it when it comes to production. I'm, I mean, I work with a lot of guys who are amazing at it and I see the dedication and the time it takes to, to put into it to, to kind of be that across the pop music world in terms of production. And that's something that doesn't interest me as much. Although I'm trying to, I'm trying to sort of get into a little bit more, but still for me, production is an experimentation, kind of see what happens kind of a thing. I'm not great at going for a brief uh, with production. Songwriting, I love a brief. No, it's my favourite thing to do. And I love hopping on a plane with a pen and paper and going somewhere, you know, you can travel and, and it really doesn't require anything of you except to go there with a with a mind full of or empty of everything. You just show up and songs songs turn up. That's how it works. PJ has flexed his writing muscles across all types of genres in the music industry. The constant throughout all of PJ's projects is that a good song, no matter what style, wins and lives outside the realm of genre. I think I'm pretty good across genres. I mean, my artist project was kind of like funky, alternative pop stuff. But recently I've had some big songs in the hip-hop world and um, in the sort of straight pop world and even like country and like I enjoy the challenge of of going all over and to be honest a good song is is a good song and and transcends genre a little bit and I, I, I like that about it too because whereas if you've got your production hat on it is about keeping within a, a certain lane. Whereas when you're writing the, you know, when you're just thinking about songs, the beautiful thing is you can interpret it and reinterpret it in a bunch of different ways. And I love that about it. Like all good artists, PJ loves challenging himself. Constantly growing and evolving his techniques is common practice. My own stuff is like if I stay in the one place too long, I get a little bit itchy and I'm like, I want to do something different. And when I first started the Thief stuff, it was kind of a reaction to the stuff I'd been writing previously, which was a lot more, I suppose, like alternative, acoustic-y, rocky kind of really organic stuff. Full of wine and 
It was actually like I was recording to ta- everything to tape, this really labour-intensive process, which I loved and the, and the stuff sounded amazing. But, you know, I just, at that point, I was just like, I just want to go into my room and make something that can go on the radio straight away. And that was basically how that whole project started. It was really, it was a production-focused endeavour. Writing solo and writing with other artists are two separate beasts. PJ has mastered both. And most of what I do now is co-writing. I do. I still try and do a bunch of writing on my own, uh, whether it's for me or for other people, because I feel like it's a really different muscle to exercise working on your own as opposed to working with other people. Um, but when you're working with other people, you know, generally you go in and you kind of get the brief and maybe the A&R people have given you the brief. Generally, like you get, it's just like advertising, you get 12 different briefs and then you go in and we're going, what the fuck is going on how are we gonna turn this into a song but yeah it's kind of this little dance that you do of trying to work out trying to make the artist I suppose feel like they're getting what they want to out of a session at the same time as trying not to get too bogged down in whether something's cool or whether something fits into a sound or a particular style and really trying to focus on whether the song works or not because if the song works then you can work all that other stuff out that's all that's that's the easy stuff I mean, I shouldn't say easy. It is, it's hard to do that really well. It's hard to produce up a song really well, and there is a whole art to that as well. But I think uh, there's no point uh, bothering if you got a turd to begin with. So that's that's most of it is about trying to make sure you get song that that really works and can transcend wherever it ends up, you know, sitting sonically. Buying and experimenting on new equipment is a favourite pastime of most musicians. When it comes to the special relationship artists have with their tools, PJ is no exception. I love synthesizers and, I, and I've got a few analogue ones at home that I like to play with, but soft synths just as much. When I'm producing for myself, I definitely just like playing and then something will come up that gives you a bit of excitement. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really into trying new things and generally that's always my like reasoning behind buying any new piece of gear or piece of software is like, I'm going to get a couple really good ideas out of this. Uh, you know, like I know that there's something happens in that first 48 hours of playing with a toy where there's going to be some really cool stuff happens and you've kind of got the energy to kind of go try a bunch of different stuff and, and sit down with it as opposed to a synth that maybe you've had for a couple of years that is kind of sitting there and you're wondering why you, why you bought it in the first place until you dive back into it, you know, in a few years and then you're like, oh, this thing's a amazing and it's too good. I've got like a little Moog Slim Fatty, one of those that they don't make them anymore, but the little rack ones, which is great for like bass tones and some lead things. I think the tuning on mine's a little funky. I sent it away to get fixed once and they sent it back and it was kind of just the same. So I don't know whether, I don't think they're supposed to, I played with some other people's and they seem fine, but I don't mind that. It's kind of like, it's got its own vibe. <laughs> it comes slowly in tune over the, over the course of sort of 40 minutes. And I used to tour with the four voice prophet, the Dave Smith uh, Tetra X4, I think it's called. So I've got that, which is great. It's beautiful. I've taken it around the world. So it's like, it makes a bunch of rattling noises when you, when you pick it up and, and some of the keys are a little sticky and weird, but it still sounds amazing. Uh, I also used to tour with an MPC, like an old school MPC, which I've used a little bit to kind of make beats and stuff. It's such a different headspace to get into, but there is something kind of magical about hearing beats come out the back of that thing. I don't really know what it's doing, but it's 
definitely doing something. Um, that's the MPC. I think it's the 2500 I've got, which is sort of like uh, not the biggest one, but it's it does most of the things. I was terrified of touring with a laptop. So I got this outdated piece of equipment, which is sort of just as shitty and even more confusing when it does stop working than a laptop is. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that I'd do that again, but it's a great piece of gear. And aside from that, you know, I'm pretty much, uh, you know, I got lots of guitars and I work now off a laptop and yeah, I'm working Logic, um, which I find is like, I started in, I started in Pro Tools. I was using like Pro Tools and I was using Reason and uh, using Rewire to sort of make them talk to each other. And it was actually when I started doing some ad work, everyone was using Logic and uh, it just made sense to do that. And once I started, I was like, oh, this is, this is great. And I've since, you know, now I, now I work in pop and everyone uses Ableton. Well, everyone, not everyone uses Ableton. There's still, there's a few kind of standout Pro Tools dudes still. And the, actually the Pro Tools guys are all amazing the way they, they all work faster than just about anyone. And there's a few Logic guys who are mostly like hacks like me. And then, <laughs> and then there's the Ableton kids who are like, kill it, you know, but I've seen amazing songs produced in, you know, I don't, I, I don't think it matters a huge amount, but it's like my buddy, M Phasers, who's a really good producer, uses Cubase. And and there's only a few guys really at that level using Cubase. But he makes that thing, you know, sing. Makes it sing. You don't know me like you used to. You can leap it, I refuse to. The magic of songwriting and creating music is extremely powerful. Striving to capture that magic within each project is the aim for PJ. The goal at the end of the day is to do something that excites you, whether you're with other people or whether you're on your own. The feeling of like getting getting a song out, like finding something that you listen to and it's like exciting you and it's like you were there, you put this thing down and it's like automatically it's become something kind of bigger than the energy that you put into it. It's like something, a magical alchemy thing happens. And that's the ultimate, that buzz is the whole reason um, I've persisted at this ridiculous endeavor for all of these years. You know, when it works, it's just totally thrilling and addictive. And I think yeah, because I've only actually been co-writing for sort of the last probably three years. But prior to that, I'd never written with other people, and I was quite uh, unsure of how that would go. Yeah, the, the experience of sharing that moment with other people was so is is so great that uh, you know I really got addicted to that thing as well. So yeah, you keep chasing those moments where it feels like something weird and magical happened, and a song just showed up. I wrote with this young kid rule called Don't Tell Me. It's got a, yeah, it just had an interesting development and, and something I've been, kind of what I've mentioned earlier, it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently with writing and the, and trying to place the emphasis on the song. And then at any point in the writing process, you can kind of readdress the production direction or the, the genre or whatever you want to call it. Like that kind of happens secondary. And this song is a good example of that. So I got sent 
sent this MP3 by uh, my buddy Nate, who manages M Phase as a producer. He was like, check out this kid's, check out this voice. I don't think he even said kid. He just said, check out this voice. What do you think? And I heard this amazing voice singing a, I think he was singing a James Bay cover or something. Uh, and I was like, dude, that's amazing. She sounds incredible. And and he was like, okay, it's, it's, it's this 12-year-old kid rule. And I was like totally blown away. And he was, do you, do you, are we interested in writing some stuff? And I was super interested in doing some stuff. And so Rule and his dad came around to my to my house and I, I kind of met him and it was he's just this little little dude and you know we chatted for a bit and his dad seemed like a like a normal decent human being and that was like that was all I needed I was like all right then let's let's do this and so uh, Rule sent me these lyrics for this song Don't Tell Me and the lyrics that he sent me were pretty much the final lyrics of the song I think I added I think I might have added the pre and I think we wrote a bridge later on but the bulk of it was there which is kind of amazing from this little kid and so I took the lyrics and we weren't writing together at, at the time I was uh, kind of putting the songs together on my own and I sat down I think I, I had a few tracks that I'd kind of been um, making a friend of mine had just showed me um, this synth I think is it's one of the Arturia synths in the Matrix 12 synth and it sounds a bit like this just like super vibey and I was really into that I, I suppose the context I initially heard it in was like he was playing me some kind of new soul R&B sort of thing and anyway I kind of had this little groove based on that It's just like some, I think it's all pretty standard logic sounds aside from that Arturia thing. And it was pretty cool. It was like pretty undercooked and I, just something I had lying around. But I kind of started singing the words to it and it, and it felt good. Um, and it sounded like this. I'll play you a little bit of my original demo. Got a distant memory of previous lives. So don't say I'm not ready. Back off with those knives, 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 knives. You don't know me like you used to. You can leave, but I refuse to. You can tell me that I'm crazy, but I ain't done, and this won't make me. together it had that little it had like a little instrumentally dropped thing i think the pre had this thing i've been i think i'd kind of fairly recently upgraded to the new logic and it and it had that retro synth as a part of it which is a really great and a built-in synthesizer and that's what that the pre uh, sound is that kind of weird modulating synth vibe i mean it sounds like an instrument it sounds really beautiful i suppose because of how the the lyrics were written the chorus was really kind of simple and i in my head i was thinking 
something kind of, I don't know, I was in a more sound cloudy, uh, something with some kind of little instrumental hook or something. Anyway, so that was basically the song and uh, everyone really loved it and, and Rule really loved how it had come out and, and uh, Nate, and uh, who's, who manages Phases and now manages Rule as well, was, was really psyched on it. Um, but they kind of felt like maybe it's just like too, too kind of producery and, and in a genre and we, we you know would rather have something kind of classic that I suppose presented the song a little bit more timelessly and wouldn't be so kind of tied to a, a genre so I was like pretty ah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know you're making a mistake this is a terrible idea you know I loved it I knew Rule loved it I, I felt like this is the song man this is how it's supposed to be and but I'll give it a shot anyway so <laughs> so I begrudgingly sat down which is actually something I say begrudgingly but it's, it's actually one of my favorite things to do and I've always been um, a big fan of like interpreting songs I always loved doing covers when I was younger and like uh, working out a way to play a song differently re- like properly interpreting a song you know so taking it changing chords if you want to changing but really like getting the guts of what the song is about out and kind of presenting that and so I was kind of even though I was like nah this isn't gonna work this is terrible I was kind of always into that idea I love in any session I actually I now I do it every session at a certain point once we've kind of got a song I'll go over to a piano and I'll try and play the song and it's a way of quickly determining whether you have a total turd or whether you have something great because if you can sit down at a piano and have the thing make sense and feel good then you've got something really special so that's basically what I did uh, and it sounded like this got a distant memory of previous lives so don't say this is the same no exact way. vocal I've just copied it over the piano chord to add this little ooh thing because we, there was just too much space. And then when Rule cut it, he added another bit uh, kind of just in between that and the line to even fill more space, which is great. Um, so basically we kind of, I kind of sent that out and by that point I was like, fuck that other one, that other version's terrible. This is the version. And then I was worried that they were going to like, uh, no, we like the first version. And But everyone was really on board with this uh, vibe and we realised that the song needed a bridge. Um, so Rule and I got together um, a couple of weeks later and we wrote, this bridge. Don't tell me I'm not ready for love. Cost that you have set for me. The shadow you crossed over me. The road is getting hard to see. That I'm gonna make it through. The lessons that are out of sight. Lost behind the fading. 
So I wrote that little bridge, and then basically Rule went and cut an amazing vocal, and it's this is like. things I'm very used to the sensation of like sending a demo off and having an artist send you something back and just feeling like well god damn it it does not sound as good <laughs> whether it's my vocal or one or one of the other writers but this is one of those instances where you know you know you're dealing with a proper artist because you get the vocal back and it's like come to life you know um and so yeah when I first time I heard rule singing that song it was just like totally magical and it uh, elevated what we'd already done even more. So yeah, we uh, we kind of did some more tweaking and then we sent vocals off to phases and he started again based around that acoustic version and turned it into the, the song it is. Definitely my favourite element is Rule's vocal. I love the song is super sparse and it's very understated. I don't think that's necessarily what people have come to expect of Phase's productions. He's known for like big lush uh, stuff and, you know, or really kind of forward sort of pop stuff. Um, but this is like showed real restraint and class. <laughs> Often the decision to not do something or to leave something out to pull back is the key decision that actually adds adds more to the finished project. But everything you know the drums and the piano and it's just like yeah i think it's just a super classy execution of, of the song it's it's um it's one of those tunes that's just you're you're stoked to have been a part of the song wins and then everybody wins <laughs> Thank you for listening to Silent Studios. I'm Cameron Mill. For more information on this artist or any of the artists featured on Silent Studios, please visit silentstudios.com.au. Ready.